Why even start a business? I didn't have that autonomy because I would be going back part-time. I didn't want that. So I wanted to have my own autonomy, have, have a job where I could just, you know what, today I've got stuff on with my kids, I'm going to do that. Because you do work so hard for someone else and that's great, but in today it's not for you. There was always this burning thing in my mind that was like, I just saw myself at home being creative, getting my ideas out, throwing things around. Like what we're doing now, which is kind of really sentimental, yeah. but it is, it's what we're doing now. I always saw it. I just couldn't see exactly what it was, but I knew that I wanted to do something. In my own business, I dictate what I earn, and we dictate what we earn, right? Yeah. How hard we work, the avenues we take, and the risks we take. So to combat all of the, you know, the rising cost of this and, you know, the doom and gloom at the moment with the economy, we can control that and adapt to what's going on. You have to take risks. I, I don't think yeah. we'd be here without taking those risks. I'm sure you agree. It sounds so simple, but you just have to do it. You, you have to. You have to take the risks just quickly before we get started guys if you've been enjoying the podcast can i please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing whatever platform you've been listening it really helps the podcast grow all right we're back again for the people that do watch on youtube i'm i've said this three or four times i don't know but this is the final final podcast in the og life money life (laughs) studio we're ripping it all down uh, today and we're building our new studio. We've got all the gear. So congratulations. You've made the final episode in the OG studio. Um, <laughs> today we have Jess and Deandra, uh, Deandra on the podcast. Um, we have these two women. We had, we had, what was it? About a month ago, we had two mums down in Melbourne, a little bit older than you girls, but had an amazingly inspirational story. And the response to that was so incredible. The amount of messages we got from that story was, was, was really touching and inspirational. And, and the reason I wanted to have you guys on is because like, you do, you've had an amazing success story yourselves as well. Like for, for a bit of context for the people listening, like you're the founders of the best kind. So personalized leather accessories and gifts, um, six figures in the first six months, 500 K in the first year. So that's incredible in of itself. But the reason I wanted to tell your story and, and why the email you sent made so much sense is because I want to, I, I want people to realize what is possible. Um, not just for the mums, but particularly for the mums that may feel like, you know, they've set up a business, like they have a family now that's kind of, past their time to set up a business. It's too difficult. I want people to know what's possible. And for everyone, regardless if they're male, female, mum, not that are thinking about starting that business, but it can seem scary to like, this is what can happen when, when you do start. And, and it, it can be scary at times, but that's the message and, and why I'm so excited to have you both on. So thank you for coming in first podcast for you two as well. So um, I'm excited to, to hear your story and for you to get to tell that um, for the first time. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Sure. Thank so you. Excited. It is really cool. <laughs> Cool. Um, so the first question I want to ask, um, obviously we'll go through your journey, kind of some of the ups and downs and start to explore that. But the first question is like, why even start a business? And I don't mind who takes this. You can, you can, you can run with whoever wants to answer first, but why, why start a business? You had a family, you could have went back to, to, to getting a job back in corporate or whatever industry um, you wanted to. Why did you actually make the decision to start a business? <laughs> you don't know until you yeah, do yeah. something. Um, <laughs> I think for me, because I had just had my second child and I knew that going back into corporate, look, the job was there. It was waiting mm. for me for a very long time and I could probably still walk back into it. Um, I didn't have that autonomy because I would be going back part-time and in the industry I was in, you can't be part You can, but you can't. So, you know, I'd be shifted all around the place into different roles and I didn't want that. So I wanted to, you know, have my own autonomy, have, have a job where I could just, you know what, today 
I've got stuff on with my kids. I'm going to do that. Today I'm free. I'm going to do something to do with work. But for a long time I've always wanted, and I'm sure it's probably for you as well, something that is my own because you do work so hard for someone else and that's great and I loved, I've always loved the technicality of what I did, but in today it's not for you. Yeah. So What were you doing before? I was um, a home lender. I was in banking. Oh, yeah. yeah I was yeah. in banking. Loved it. I love the technical. I love it. Love the sales. Love the drive. Love all that. But um, I'm still just a number. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and as a mom now, like I've got that recognition. Yeah, I'm a mom. That's cool. But it's good to have that recognition in another way in my mm-hmm. career that and use what I had learned, but for myself, like there's nothing – Better. Did you did you feel like uh, you kind of said going back in? Yeah, there would be a job for you, but do you feel like the the kind of career tra- trajectory if you went back in that sort of a capacity? What would it have been a serious opportunity for you? Or um, I know for me because I was applying for all different roles um, just to progress my career in banking finance because I just come off the back of management, so I really was enjoying the leadership side. There was nothing like, and this was during like. COVID time. So I could have worked at home. They still had jobs going, but unless you were full time, you know, you're nine to five, it wasn't there. And I didn't want to miss out on my kids and trade that for a job. So I'm like, well, that's not going to work. Then I'll make something else work for me and my family. Yeah. I actually, it was so funny. Literally yesterday I had a call from one of my friends who went to school with, went to school with, (laughs) she was the same. She was a home lending, like financing and stuff. She's just had her second kid as well, looking to go back in and start working again. She said she's applied for that many jobs, can't get it. And she killed it before. It's like, can be really difficult. So she called me and we're chatting about the business. She's about to start. I, I think like whatever it takes, whatever it is to give you that push to start your business, I think it's an amazing thing. And like you said, maybe you wouldn't have started if you knew how difficult it was. That's mm-hmm. You say that now, but really if I gave you an option to go back and not start it, what would you do? Yeah, I would definitely do it. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. I wouldn't. I, I, yeah. And I was just I think it's such a twofold. I, we talk about this all the time. I think as a woman and as a mum, you have these expectations. Mm. And unfortunately, as much as I don't agree with it, you, you do. You have to, like, you know, you were sick, you cancelled. Yep. You get that because it happens to everyone. Yeah, you and it's, sometimes we're not sick. It's the kids. It's, it's the someone kids. Else, but oh. It's like it's you. It's it's a branch off you, yep. you know. And for me, I just felt like I could never, how was I going to juggle working for someone and being sick or having a kid sick or having this responsibility, you just you can't have it all. Mm. It, it's hard whereas this, we've gotten this freedom. Obviously it wasn't like that at first, you yeah. know, and it's that constant juggle, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But, um, yeah, you just you can't have it all. Did you, like, throughout school and, like, I don't know if you went to uni, but did you always or did you ever envision yourself as, like, when you, let's say, put yourself back in high school, that you would start your own business and yes. have your own business? You did. We haven't spoken oh, about this. No, we haven't, but I felt the same. I, yes, yeah. I did. So that's so weird. We haven't yeah. talked about it, but that was something that was always burning in me. So I came from the events industry. I worked in non-for-profit for years and I loved it because that for me was fulfilling. That's kind of what my purpose was working in that industry. I worked like a dog. I did. I worked like a dog. You can't switch it off. You, you Especially when it comes to crunch time, you're working around the clock because you've got to execute an event. Um, and there was always this burning thing in my mind that was like I just saw myself at home being creative, getting my ideas out, throwing things around. I don't know. It was just like it's like what we're doing now, which is kind of really sentimental, yeah. but it is. It's what we're doing now. I always saw it. I just couldn't 
see exactly what it was, but I knew that I wanted to do something. Yeah. Something that allowed you to just be you. Yeah. Yeah. Through something. Yeah. Like that's so vague. But I mean, you know, over the years of us working or whatever, we've, we get, we finally came to the idea of what we wanted to do eventually. So. Yeah. See, that, that's the thing. It's like, I didn't realize throughout school at all that I wanted to start a business. I didn't know, like, I, I don't know if it's because I went to the school I did and, and they didn't really speak about what business could be and all the possibilities. It took me until I was like 23, 24 years old almost to realize, hey, I can actually start a business. And then once I've obviously I've been in business for five, six years now, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And something I'm always like, I'm hesitant of doing because like so, most people out there have a job, have a nine to five that they work for. I hire people that have a nine to five. Obviously it's a different environment working as part of a small business. It's much more an entrepreneurial freedom led thing when you work for a small business rather than a corporate. But the thing is why I'm becoming even more, um, even more of an advocate advocate of starting your own small business, whether it be an e-com or anything like that right now is because we've all seen the data that's coming out. We've all seen how much interest rates keep going up. The comparisons from, okay, in the seventies, the percentage like of the average of what someone would earn in a year to, to save up for a deposit for the house, it would, it would take them like two years now to save up for a deposit for a house, the average deposit for a house working an average job. It's going to take you like 10 to 20 years to do that. So it's like with the recession coming with inflation going up, your the, the, the pay in inside these industries isn't going to grow fast enough. So if you want to actually take control of your life and, 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 and have that freedom and have the ability to earn the money that works for you and live that lifestyle. It's becoming more and more obvious to me that more people should be starting a business, whether it be you want to start it as a side hustle, just to have that second income stream to help support your family, your kids, you know, to, to pay for your, your travel, whatever that may be. But I think it's becoming more and more uh, important for people to start thinking like that. So that's why I'm like, it's so good to chat to everyone from different perspectives and see what their journey was like, right? It's so true because um, at the end of the day, when you start, like if I was on salary, my salary would always be X amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, it might progress year on year, bit by bit, if I promote my, if I get promoted or whatever. But my own business, I dictate what I earn. Mm-hmm. And we dictate what we earn, right? Yep. How hard we work, the avenues we take and the risks we take. So to combat all of the, you know, the rising cost of this and, you know, the doom and gloom at the moment with the economy, we can control that and adapt to what's going on. Yeah. And everyone's like to, to save up. And this is, I think this was honestly like a, a tweet from Elon, which you never know if it's a real tweet or it's like a fake <laughs> tweet, but it's like, everyone's trying to figure out like how to save an extra 10 or 20,000. It's like, it's much more easy to figure out how I could earn an extra 10 or 20,000 than save an extra 10 or 20,000. But so many people don't think like that. So I think it's, I think it's becoming more, more and more common that people are starting to think like that because of podcasts like this and all the content that gets put out there. But, um, Let's take it back to how you guys actually took it from that idea and, and started to, to, to make it a business. Now, how did that all happen? Who was the first person to bring the idea to the other person? Talk to me uh, about how that happened. It seems more random that like we had a thought behind it, like we've said, of what we've always wanted to do. But the way it actually came about this, how this all started, I can't remember who texted who. We're I just, was texting. You yeah. was text, she I was texting texted me. her this just, machine on Alibaba. Something was that? else. No, it was before that. Like, do you want to do something? Oh, That's yes. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't remember who asked who because it's about 50 million texts between then and now it's like <laughs> you can't even go back that far, right? And it was like, do you want to do something? Okay. Because we were both on Matley at the same right. time. When was this? Like what year? We're like 21 or 21? 21. Because my daughter was like nearly six months. So yeah. Fresh your daughter's 21 and mine was born in the end of 2020. Yeah. 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 And – 
just went back and forth for quite a while, like, like just on random ideas. Yeah. I feel and like we're at the same stage of our mat leave. It was like, oh, we've got to think about what we're going to do when we go back. Like I was applying for jobs. Um, yes, you were six months into your mat leave, which is kind of the second half of it, what you got to, everyone's like, oh, so when are you going to go back to work? That thing. So um, it was it, like that, <laughs> literally. Yeah. But it was more, it wasn't, like I talked to a lot of people and they're like, I think it's like, oh, it's going to be really easy. I just want to do something else so I don't have to go to work. It wasn't that. It was like we wanted a sense of purpose. Yeah. We wanted something that was really just going to drive us because we're both so passionate. That's and motivated and determined. And so I think in my head I was like, this can work. We just need something. We need something to do. And I feel like a lot of people think when they're going and starting a small side hustle or mum thing that, oh, I'm going to have so much time. But it was more so for (laughs) us, okay, we've got time. How do we use this time towards what we want to create? And it involved us having to put time in and find time for it. And did you, something you just said, um, did you find that when you started working on it, it was an early idea and you tell your friends and family, maybe not the people super close to you, but did people kind of dismiss it as just, uh, it's just a little mum project? That's such a great question because I, I haven't thought that. that. Yeah. Literally in the car. Yeah. I haven't thought, yeah, about that today. <laughs> um, like I feel like I didn't tell many people at first. I think I remember telling my mum and she's so supportive in everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's great, Jess. That's great, you know, great idea. But how's this going to work? How's that going to work, you know? And then I think we kind of kept it to ourselves and then we were a couple months in because we'd work on this for like days. I remember we had our kids, especially my daughter, trying to put them to sleep, trying to feed one, trying to do this, trying yeah, to like. because they're babies. You know, we'd spend yeah. nine hours a day you know, four days a week or whatever, just just planning, which obviously have no money coming in, nothing, mm. so people don't take it seriously, but we're spending so much time on it. Really, we'd probably get three hours of work out of it because yeah. we were juggling yeah. all but that. we're in the same position, and I think that and helped. We had the same amount of time to commit. Financially, it was the same mm-hmm. as well. So everything, and we're at the same stage of that mat leap. So I think that's where, like, you know, two stars collided in a good way. Yeah, right? it's a huge difference. So the coincidences were good. Like they were great. They worked out really well for us at that point. What you mentioned when you start to get to that second half or the final final part of Matt leave, your, your brain starts to go, fuck, what am I going to do next? <laughs> what did you, like, I obviously have never been on Matt leave, believe it or not, but I imagine the feeling is like when you get like the second half of school holidays or the big six-week school holidays, <laughs> you're like, shit. Do you start to develop this sense of dread that you got to go back to that? And then when you start to be in that sort of situation, you're like, no, I'm going to figure a way out so I don't have to go back and do that unfulfilling work or get treated maybe not the way I want to get treated. All right, guys, just quickly, I've got some news. I've spent close to the past 18 months building the ultimate program that takes you through the complete process. And I mean the complete process of launching and scaling your very own e-commerce brand from zero all the way up to a million dollars plus per year. And now with this program, what you're going to get access to is 15 modules with over 100 training videos and 23 hours of in-depth content, taking you through everything you need to know to build a successful e-com brand. And this is the important part. This isn't just stuff that you can look up on YouTube. This is stuff I've taken from real lessons and experiences building Happy Skin Co. from zero 
all the way up to an eight-figure-per-year brand. You're going to get access to loads of custom tools, templates, and calculators that I've used to build and run Happy Skin Co. There's going to be one-on-one mentoring with myself and other expert coaches, and there's also weekly group Q&A calls with myself to make sure you're feeling completely supported throughout the entire process. And now what I've learned from consulting to everyone from people starting their very first e-commerce brand all the way up to brands already doing seven figures plus per year is that there's a process and a framework to follow if you want to be successful with e-com. Now, if this is something you're interested in, hit the link below and go to join.viralbrandbuilder.com. All the information's there and you can book a call directly with me. Otherwise, send me a DM and we can chat there. Anyway, let's get back to the pod. We were at different timelines. So we kind of kicked off in launched our website and this and whatever in November and then my mat leave was coming up in Feb and I knew that like they were kind of mm. they were great but they were kind of up my ass from like from <laughs> early December and to I was come like back, you mean? yeah like you know what are you going to do what are you okay. going to do and obviously it was scary I was like well do I give up this this stable job or just go for it yeah, because there's some great benefits working in certain corporate environments especially you know the mat leave for one so if I wanted to have another child it was good. I could get paid for six months, half yeah. pay, and then another six, what, five months from the government. So you, big decision. You got that, you annually, you got all those things, which are great. And I get that's why people do prefer that kind of work. But it can't, that can't stop you if you've got an idea or a dream. Yeah. Silly question. I've just got no idea, but I think it would be good for people that don't know. Like, how does, is there any mat leave if you, you own the business? Like, what, how does that work? Like, does, is there government support? Like, you do get, um, so as self-employed, it's the same thing as if you're working for someone where you do get, I think it was 18 weeks, now it's 20 weeks or something of um, income support from the government that's paid at minimum wage. Yeah. Um, I think when I was on, it was like seven, 800 bucks and you get taxed from that a week. Yeah. And that still is the case. Uh, that's it. Um, and a lot of people that work for other small businesses, that's all, all they get, which is not a very long time off. Me and Jess were both fortunate um, coming from larger corporations. We had six months off provided from our business to, which was good because I think having that full year off where we were still receiving income, half from work, half from government, there wasn't that immediate rush that we've got to get back to work until obviously we had to work it out, but we still had more time. So, And in reality, obviously not everyone has that time and I think that's where you kind of come to that roadblock as a woman, as a mum. You don't have that flexibility and we were really fortunate. I'm not blindsided to that. We had that time. We had that year to take off and and kind of go, you know, it's like I remember having that conversation and I was like, I'm not, not," you know, and I was just like have to bite the bullet and that's kind of something we've done from the beginning because you have to take risks. I I don't think we'd be here without taking those risks. I'm sure you agree. It sounds so simple but so many people, you know, we have the conversation with them and they're like, you know, oh, this costs so much money and this and how do you have the time and this and you just have to do it. You you have to. You have to take the risk with the money. You have to take the risk with the time. You have to. I just because we had to make get there. We had to eventually start something that allowed us to have an income because it wasn't for fun. Otherwise, yeah, we'd we be were back serious. at work. No, no we were serious people, about it. Yeah. yeah, like it seems so trivial, but it, we, we needed to start having a stable yeah. income. Mm. Like It couldn't just be a passion project, and that's yeah. obviously it was, but it had to be a profitable passion yeah. project. And I think we made the decision early on, like you asked, you know, whether people took us seriously or not. Regardless of that, we took it seriously. Like, and I think we really tried to, even when you're doubtful, it's a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm. As stuff, we took it seriously. We were like, "No, this is this is what we're doing." You know, it's my job. It's, 
It's it's our job. job. That's it. We still get it from our husbands sometimes. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing? Yeah. It's our job. I think it was very hard for my husband to put his head around it at first because he's like, oh, you know, you work so hard. You know, you went to uni, you did all this, you're in the bank, you're making X amount. And in his eyes it was like, oh, you're just doing retail. Initially, like I think that's just um, it's a cultural thing I think a too, little bit that like we've that. come across, um, like come up again. And just men, I don't know how else to put that. I don't no, mean to be so, no, <laughs> it's just just very, um, I don't know, narrow-sided a bit. But, I mean, after seeing that, oh, actually this is one and this is bringing in something. Yeah, it, then it, it they start to change, right? And I was like, oh, okay, it's not. But I'm not just going to Jess's house. We're having lunch, coffee, and like hanging out. We never and, did that. Like and just you know going for yeah. walks and talking shit and whatever. Like it wasn't that. You mentioned self doubt, Jess. What do you do to overcome that when the moments of self doubt creep in? Oh, I, I, I lean on her. <laughs> now having the support of each other, I've got to say that's the biggest thing. Like I literally said this to my husband, I couldn't do this without her. Like I know a lot of people see partnerships as risky and. And obviously it is and there's so many negatives, but there's so many positives. Like she's my soundboard for everything. Um, But I just think I'm big on positive mindset, manifestation, all of that. So uh, trying to keep that positivity even in the slow times. Like right now, what is it, a retail recession? I heard it got announced a couple of weeks ago. Um, And it's tough. It's tough. So just staying on top of it sounds your questions, small things, but for me that self-doubt's just making sure I have a really positive mindset, healthy mindset. I'm healthy. I'm just and I just keep keep going. It's not that I ignore the self-doubt. I recognize it, but I keep going. Like how can we improve things? How can we get yeah. what can we we're constantly yeah. even when it doesn't work, okay, that didn't work. And we just keep going forward. What else can we do? What else can we do? Because it's cha- it's challenging. Yeah. Like you'll find an answer eventually to it. Yeah. You just gotta yeah. keep looking for it. Have yeah. you or have you been someone, DeAndre, that had a lot of self-belief? Me? Yeah. Oh, or... I, I don't know. I was a bit scared with this yep. um, because I'd never done, like, I, if it's something I'm familiar with, I'm fine. You know, if you put me in what I used to do for 10, 12 years of my life, I'd be fine. If I started doing something on my own in finance, I think I would have been, yeah, all good about it. But um, something completely different where I had to be on social media that stuff that wasn't me yeah like going up there and talking and my face all over the joint like my instagram's got all my kids on there like i'm lucky you get a photo of me so having to do that side of which is how our business a lot of it grew that was hard so i had a bit of self-doubt at first now it's just like whatever you can just talk underwater on that you don't care who's watching um parts of my business i felt a bit of doubt but then you overcome it by doing it yes. or you do something easier it gets. I think that's such an important message because so many people know kind of what they should be doing, whether it be just like how active both of you are, like truly the faces of the brand. If you looked at your, your socials, you guys are all, you're on like one of you or, or your team on it every day, talking, like connecting with your customers and something that you guys have done really well, which we'll get into is created such a close bond and relationship um, with your customers by providing that really personal touch, not just through your products, but through your relationship with you and providing that really like next level customer experience for them is obviously a part of why you guys were able to, to grow the business where you have and, and have that success. But starting that, you felt uncomfortable at the start. How long did it take to get used to it? Because I want people to realize like whatever it may be, like just you, you can, the only way you can 
make things that make you feel uncomfortable not feel uncomfortable is by doing them until they don't. Yeah. Like it, it took a bit of time, but you just did it anyway. Like now I could probably record something a lot quicker. But back then I was like, oh, record, oh, this is crap. And then like, <laughs> and then like you got a 50 million drafts on and honestly all you were trying to say was, um, you know, today's the last day of free express shipping. <laughs> like it was such a simple message. Um, yeah. It took us a while to like maybe to convey it, but you just get better at it. You don't give a shit what you look like. Yeah. You don't care. But it's like you said, it's all about connecting with your customers and we're, we're selling a product which is not, it's not new. It's not innovative. We need that point of difference to our competitors. And why not use us? Like we're an asset yeah. in this business. So we use ourselves and our, our are very personable people and we like to chat and talk and whatever and use that to our advantage. And you need to use social media. Yeah. Uh, like it's a bit confronting sometimes, but you need to be on there. You need to give all platforms a crack. Yeah, if, that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Socials and stuff, and yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to. It's like a deal breaker these days. It's yeah. It. yeah. Oh, like without a doubt. You you mentioned Jess just before, um, like positive mindset's a big part of kind of how you operate and how you get through the moments of self doubt, um, and move forward because like you can move forward with confidence, but in business you never know what's around the next corner. You know what I mean? Like you said, retail recession. You don't know what's going to be next. As I said, inflation's going up. Rent for offices, like go up all the time. These sorts of things we don't know, but to move forward with confidence is really important. And a big part of that for me, something you meant mentioned like manifestation or for me, like visualization, the law of attraction. Talk to me about how, how manifestation has been become a part of your life or your routine. Tell me kind of how that's worked for you and what you feel like it's done for the business and for your life. Oh, well, I feel like I need to do a lot more. I've been reading a lot more about mm-hmm. it lately. And we were briefly talking about it as well, but I think I still feel like we're on the outer edge of that, yep. you know, um, but really like even simple things like just setting our goals and having them written and always referring back to them and kind of thinking about them, visualising them all the time. I think that really helps with it. I definitely think there's a lot of growth work to do yeah. with that. Like I feel like my focus has been um, like manifestation still quite new for more that mindset and that like every day again sound, might sound so small to people but every day I get up I do this certain meditation and it's just like the positivity that comes out of it is insane like it totally turns my day and then I'm like okay I'm manifesting those high numbers or those high sales or like I see it better it's like I can see clearly yep. so I don't know if that answers your question exactly no, but it's it, yeah that's what helps me it does as well because so, so many people aren't conditioned to see uh, the upside of things. We're conditioned to see the risk and, like, that's why so many people struggle with self-doubt and they don't take the the leap. But obviously for me it's been such a massive part and I would just fully encourage you to continue going down that path. And the key that I've realised with with manifesting or visualising is one step, like you said, get really clear on, on what the goal is or what that moment you're trying to manifest is. And then, and then the thing you need to do is you really need to believe it. Not, not actually not even believe it because the word believe, and I've said this before, the word believe is like having faith. Like you don't know, but you believe, know it. If you know it's going to happen and and you can go into those visualizations and you're experiencing them in your head, like they're 1000% real, then they become so, so powerful. So I, I would just obviously, yeah, anyone who knows me knows how much I was talking to, to Joe about it yesterday. And he's getting more and more into it himself. Obviously, he's been aware of it. He's really into personal development. And 
the word visualization, manifestation gets thrown around all the time. But when you really get it, like it's sometimes it's just your, your body's ready. You're in that place in life to really get it and it drops. It can absolutely change your life. Now, there was a moment I wanted to ask you about, and I'd like to hear both of your perspectives. You said when you had to have the conversation with your old work that, Hey, I'm not coming back. Talk to me about that decision-making process, how you knew you were ready and then how you approached that conversation with them. So mine was, mine was so back and forth. Like so like sitting on a fence thing and they were like, them along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in a nice way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I think it was like just this justification that I needed to have in my head because at the end of the day, the other part of it is that I loved working in the events industry, the adrenaline that. Like, I loved it. I, I genuinely, you know, I, I did it for years and I really enjoyed it. So it wasn't just kind of leaving that job. It was leaving a whole industry that I knew, like we said before, that, that I know it. You could put me in it anywhere. It doesn't matter where yeah. and I'd just the run with it. it. Yeah. Um, so I just, oh, honestly, it was conversations back and forth with my husband and it was juggling. And then I think I just got to, I remember it was like we had, I had a meeting set up on like the Wednesday and I just called her on the Monday and I think I spoke to you in the morning. I'm like, I'm just gonna quit. That's it. I'm just going to quit. And I just, I just wanted to bite the bullet because in my head I got to the point after all these conversations back and forth with her and my mom and husband, I was like, if I don't do it, I don't know what's going to happen. And I knew I physically couldn't juggle both. I couldn't, even if they gave me two days or three days part-time, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Even with one kid, I just didn't want that. I didn't want that stress and that. And I just called and I was like, look, this is my decision and that's that. Um, And there was even a few follow-ups actually called me like quite a few times afterwards sure and yeah and I kept kind of getting pulled back a little bit and I was like no this like this is what I'm doing that's it and yeah I think I just I'm also the kind of person that when I get a decision in my head that's it I'm just going to do it and I don't look back I don't regret on it with anything especially with what we do yeah. in business because you can't there's just no room for regrets so exactly. I was just like nah, that's the decision I made it like the night before that morning called her and that was that there was no going back for you what was the bigger risk leaving this safe corporate job where you feel really comfortable, you're going to get a stable pay, you feel like you can be dropped in anywhere in the industry and do a really good job, stepping away from that or is the bigger risk not seeing what could happen by backing yourself and trying to build something on your own? Yeah, not seeing what could happen. Yeah, totally. Like it's so, and I'm sure anyone that has their own business would say the same thing, but you never take the time to celebrate your achievements. You never take that time and when I look back on it, like I, we are a small business. We're tiny compared to so many others, but I'm so proud of what we've achieved. Like we've hit some really cool goals that we yeah. just didn't think were possible, you know, it, it, when we started and we wrote them down on our little notepad because <laughs> yeah. I made her write them down. Yeah. I wasn't much to write it down. I was all in I was my like, head no, until we're doing this. this. Um, yeah, so that risk of not knowing, and I think as well because I, like what I said before, I had always seen myself doing what we're doing. and now that I'm doing it, or at that point, you know, I was kind of starting and I could see that future of where we could go. 
I was like, nah, just I have to. It's not it's worth it. We went full time in the retail store. No, at that we point. weren't. No, so, so it was even a little bit more scary. It was more like oh, fluid as to where, was, where we we're going to end up. <laughs> Isn't it crazy though that right now, obviously, like you, you have issues every day in business, the challenges to overcome, but like two years ago, you would have like almost dreamed to be where you are now. But like, do you celebrate it enough? Do we in business like say, like, you know what? I'm actually really proud to be where I am right now. <sighs> I think we should more. Mm. I really like to. All right. So, you know, the figures that we hit and the time we did it and the fact that we're only really operating as a full-time, we're an e-com store, but a full-time retail store, which yep. up and up, it was our biggest stream of revenue was only for six months of the year. That sounds really cool. But then it's like the next, oh, it's just BAU kind of thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. Literally it's the like, next day. Yeah, just, you, you just get used to it. You think this normal. is like the normal now. Yeah. Okay, cool. But you, you really should stop and um, celebrate. I think we do at times try, like sometimes we'll have like a, a day spa day at the end of like, say your mother's day period, which yeah. and then the Christmas period, which is like our busy period to say, celebrate the hard work mm-hmm. that we've done. Um, and then include the team on that too. But, um, we should do it more in the little moments, yeah. not just when you make a windfall at Christmas mm-hmm. um, like everyone else does. Well, obviously, uh-huh. like that period of like year for you guys is like mental, I assume. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Like all of you, like the yeah. best time. Like, it's yeah. so fun. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> always used to say to us, Christmas is what gets you through to the next year and I get it. Like Christmas is It pretty much sets yeah. up your whole stock for the next 12 yeah. months. Well, I've almost maybe nine to 12 months, I'm not sure. Um, it, it did. Well, that's, you know, Black Friday, why they got, like Black Friday got its name. You know? No, I know it's a US thing, but that's about yeah, it. Well, like in, in, it's exactly what you were saying. Like in retail, it was like until Black Friday, like November, whatever, like right after Thanksgiving, that's when they finally got in the black and, and started making the profit. And like all Makes the year. Sounds all less the years, morbid now. I'm like, yeah. why do they call it so Black So it's like, Friday? but you make all your yeah. profit in like Q4 and retail, obviously yeah, depending totally. on, on the products and different models, but Traditionally, like that's why it was on Black Friday. They're finally in the black after all that year of operating, and then you make all your profit um, in Q4. Yeah, yeah, it's like you can breathe. At and then that it's, time. it's probably the Christmas we've just had was probably the first Christmas like post COVID that was like a proper mm-hmm. uh, for in store yeah. retail. Yeah. Um. So both online and in store just boom, but in store particularly because you have no idea how many people are last minute. Oh my oh, god! Uh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> I like the. You buy it for o'clock on Christmas Eve. Are you lucky we can do this? Um, <laughs> As I need it all personalised and I need it in half an hour. Can yeah. you do it? Oh, no, it's five minutes. Yeah, I don't no, even I need half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess that's because in gifting what we are in, people are so last minute because yeah. we've just got so many things on. It kind of benefited us to have that store, which allowed for last minute people to just come in and do things on the spot and whatever. So that's been a real good Good thing, obviously, for us. Yeah, I'm very last minute, so if I'm struggling, I'm going to have to make the drive out to, 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 to come past. Now, I want to talk to you about some of the business decisions you made, the retail one in particular I want to ask next, but I don't want to move past. I want to hear because it's one of the most pivotal decisions anyone starting their own business makes. I don't want to move past that moment and thought process for you. How did how did you make the decision to go all in and, and, and take the risk of not going back to full-time work? So um, after my like first year of mat leave, I had the option um, at the bank I worked at to take another 12 months off. and mm not paid and still retain my jobs. Obviously I did that. Yeah, of course. Now the thing is where we operate, where our store is at Norellan, my work is right there. <laughs> so, And, you know, I'd go into the branch all the time. We'd go get changed from there. I'd do my banking there. I'd go see my old boss. I'd hang out with the girls. So they knew full well what I was doing. Um, and my boss was always very supportive of it. She always held out this hope I was going to come back um, because we got along really well. We worked really well together and I feel I wasn't too bad at my job, obviously. Um, and then it got to like October when I had October last year. So right before that 
crazy period. And she's like, look, you know, we really need to know what we're going to do. Like, what do you want to do? Um, and there was no way of me extending or anything. Like, look, there's no way of me extending. Let's be real. We're about to go into Christmas, invest all this money into stock because I know it's going to be crazy. The business made the decision for me to leave my other job because we had to do Christmas. So that was it. I, I think because I had a bit more time than Jess and I had been through the success of having our retail store. And I'm like, you know what, this does work. And then I could leave. But um, I think also having the support of the people I worked for, um, the people that I worked, like, worked with before, um, they, they were cool. Like they knew what was going on and, um, yeah, you just got to do it. I remember when I left like my, my, my last job I had um, when, when we launched Happy Skin Co. I've, I've, I think I've told this, maybe mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's so fucking funny. Like they knew I was building the business the whole time I was working mm. on it. The day I launched, like they were all supportive. Everyone's like, yeah, that's awesome, blah, blah, blah. The day we launch, you're called into a meeting with like the two managers and I'll be like, you see, this is your contract. You see, it says you can't have a directorship in any other business. It's conflict of interest. I'm like, guys, what the fuck are you trying to put this on me? You've known about it. You've supported me, encouraged me. me. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'll talk, whatever. I quit two weeks later. It. So it's, yeah, it's all good. Okay. But like having a support, like, yeah, the support of like your, 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 Previous workplace would have been a very different experience to. Yeah, like they obviously knew what was going on over in the same center. Yeah. They used to shop from us. They used to walk past. We used to, so it was good. It wasn't a conflict of interest what we were doing because it wasn't in finance. Mm-hmm. It was in finance, it'd be very different. Um, so they're okay. Huh? Like, like we've been saying, you just gotta, you can either do it, but if you don't do it, then you'll always have that what if, and um, that'll probably drive you nuts. Yeah, the reason I wanted yeah. to bring that up is because I talk to people all the time when I'm when I'm doing like my consulting calls, I'm mentoring, and they'll be at that stage right where where I know we spend a lot of time on, on that moment, but it's a really important fucking, it's a really important part of the process. Um, and like I'll hear about experiences where their bosses from their current job or their full-time job are trying to guilt them and scare them into staying because you're not going to make it, it's going to fail, you need to stay here because it's stable, but it's like, no, no, no. You should be encouraging. If you're in business and you have people that are starting their own business, you should be encouraging them to go out and build their own thing. What, what, how, how hypocritical of me as a boss if I tried to stop other people from going and building something for it's themselves? because those bosses know your impact you've had in their business and that they might have to do a bit of extra work to cover you for a period yeah. of time. So they're more scared for themselves. For sure. Not so much for you, or but that's more that they should just be happy for you but they're too scared about their own impact. And I think that's just the selfishness of people. Yeah. That's a personality. And that, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I didn't experience that, want- obviously. I was, like, like I'd mentioned, I was cool. Like all my, my old colleagues were cool. So. And it's hard. Like I worked in so many, so many places that just treated their staff like shit. So, you know, it, I know it's everywhere, but I think after I went through that a few times, I was like, never going through this again. <laughs> and you can tell people until they're black and blue, Go do your own thing. Go, you know, this. But people have to go through that experience themselves and get to that point where they're ready to make the leap, exactly. take, you know, do all of this. You just, you have to go through those experiences for whatever reason to get to that point. Like even with us, I guess it sounds like these were easy decisions. I don't think that was it. I think it's just we've been through so many different experiences in our life and our career that just so happened at this point when we had to make those decisions that we were ready. It's just, in hindsight, it's, they seem easier than what they were at the time. Yeah, you kind of it forget does. like in the easy. moment, the yeah. stress and whatever, because then, because it worked out all good. That's all you could focus on, how good, thank God I made that mm. decision. Yeah. But and like, you can't look back. You nah. can't, like I said before, you nah. can't. And we didn't. We both were like, nah, this is it. That's it. And that Forward. kind of job, what Jess did, what I did, it's always going to be there. Mm. We ever want to, if we, you know, we get an inkling, I miss it so much, you know, life's, 
we've got another apparently 50 years of working, who knows, right? Yeah. Hopefully not. But there's we it's not like it's gone forever. Mm. It's not like Jess can't manage an event or I can't do a home life. It doesn't mean and that's anything. What we, like it's gonna be there. Yeah, that positive. Like that's yeah. what we had to be positive about. Yeah. Well, it's just a you fact. Do. You had yeah. well, yeah, we go get well, a job if, if if we need. That's it. To. Yeah, yeah. I mean, time. anyway, there's always there's jobs. <laughs> I don't believe that you can't find a job. You could go work it. You can work. You can always find something. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, you <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> but I there's always find work. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now back to like the starting of the business. How did you? Because you said you had heaps of ideas. I'm um, looking at like a lot of people do, like Alibaba for inspiration for different types of products. How did you settle on, on, on these, like the, the personalized leather accessories and gifts? Um, I think we always wanted to do something personalized. Yeah. We but knew then that. we knew it was personalized, which that's like a plethora of things. Right. But we wanted something that sometimes that wasn't so too much choice. For the That sounds terrible, but choice for the customer that, okay. So we personalize in one particular font on one particular product. Whereas I, I used to do balloon garlands and events, right? So what was used to be annoying with that is the customer might say, I want navy blue, but there's about 50 different types of navy blue that could be out there and you're back and forth with them. Whereas with what we do, like I said, it's one font, one size font, certain amount of letters on X amount of products. And the products that we have, I feel, we both feel, are useful products. So we always wanted to sell something that was useful. Some things like, you know, personalised mugs or whatever aren't as we feel, not that they aren't to other people, useful. So we wanted useful but straightforward. Something so feasible So we could do quick too. like what we do, how we do it now. Yeah. I think from the get-go we kind of thought, okay, what's something that will be quick, that's high quality, that's practical. We just, I don't know how we got to that point at the beginning, but something that was just kind of going to work, low cost, low, mm. not that it doesn't effort or work it does. It yes. took a lot of training. Like we, we can talk it was about a lot that easier, story that. with our first machine. But yeah, but we kind of wanted to rule out all, you know, like stickers and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, and that's down the yeah. high quality piece. And, oh. and also there's like our general like interest in fashion and what have you. So combine yeah, something, something we would we would buy. wear to yeah, buy to wear yeah. and stuff. So. We're our we're our target audience at the end of the day. Yeah. We kind of just we just bought the machine. Hey. We just bit yeah. the bullet. Like, we bought what's the machine. Bo- what's, what's the machine called? Like the heat press. Heat press. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have one, so I know how yeah. fucking annoying they can be to set up. <laughs> yeah. We only. The we first one. Oh, we like, it was, this it was broken. The first one was broken. <laughs> it was, it was true, broken. True. We sent it back, but we didn't know that, so we're trying to monogram. So we only had like, I don't know, not even ten of each product, and we had a much smaller product line that we do now, so we don't have a lot of things to fuck up on because when you stuff <laughs> up on something, you can't sell it. Can you? It's done. It's done. Yeah. It's gone. So. um We'd practice and then it was really hard. We had to get the temperature right, the, the, the firmness right, mm. the positioning right because it's very manual. And then this thing wouldn't bloody transfer and we're thinking, oh, my God, like we're screwed. We've got, like, we were going to launch. We were going to launch. This, like, and this three machine weeks later was or something. Yes. It was only a few weeks later. And then we got the font do? that we originally bought, like we didn't like it. It was like this standard Times New Roman looking font and it was big, too big. Like we didn't, I don't know how we kept it was just too big. Anyway, um, so it, it was wrong. Um, and then we had to order new letters, which was we had a really we have a really good supplier that buys us the machines and what have you, which has been really good. And they provide us support um through WhatsApp. So that's helped us learn too how to use this thing. Then we sent back the old machine, they said we bought a, a better one. And then we just practiced and stuffed up along the way and eventually worked it out. 
And <laughs> the idea, going back to your question about, like, I guess that whole concept, I think we just we kind of looked at, um, like, engraving machines and then we just, under that personalisation, well, what kind of machine can we buy and then go from there? So we looked at the engraving machine, maybe one other machine and then this one and, yeah, we kind of just were like, we're going to get this. And then yeah. because we were so short, timely, and we were just like, we just want to do this, we kind of just, we didn't have another option to look at any other ideas of business concepts or product concepts. Yeah. So initially our first machine was a fail and it costed us $1,500 plus the letters and then we had to ship it back. So then that cost money. Like there was, when we had to send back details, yeah. like something ridiculous because these things are quite weighty. And then buy another one. So there was that. It doesn't seem like a lot of money now, but initially when you're just starting, it is a lot. Mm. So we lost, but we had to lose to gain. Yeah, and it didn't right. mean just because this one machine was shit or whatever. We just tried again. And what were, what were the products you launched with? Like, do you, do you have more now, I, I imagine, than when you launched? No, I do you remember the first few. Yeah, yeah we so, had a lot Okay, more. we yeah. had notebooks, which we only ordered five of them. Now we order them by <laughs> the hundreds of hundreds. Yeah, because like, we're not sure how these will go. Yeah, five, yeah. Five, like what's that? We stuffed up probably on three of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole box of stuff Should have brought you We'll show you yeah. like just to show you how many times you can fail, but it doesn't matter. You just keep. Keep learning. Well, you remember those at our old office, all the boxes of the fucked up leather. Because we have, um, for like our IPLs and stuff, we have like a personalized like travel bag for yeah. it as well. And we did, the amount yeah. we and when we like the amount we fucked up, like oh, it's such a such a finicky thing to do and yeah. to get it right, and it's so it easy to it like, and it burns you. Yeah. But that's another one that you just got to go. Nah, yeah. keep going. So we've got yeah. boxes of stock of that stuffed up stuff. Um, and we had was notebooks. We had clutches. Key um, rings. key rings, um, but say we've got, I don't know, four different types now, only one or two, um, makeup bags, but like literally we only got such, we found a supplier that could give us all the quantities initially because a lot of suppliers like MOQ, like minimum quantity 300, just way too much. But because we found someone that allowed us to do smaller quantities, we could have, we probably had about eight products initially in two pretty lucky. Like they were pretty cool with that. in that way. Um. And then we tested and on them and then um, from there we just expanded to like one to two new products every month after that. Yeah. And what's been it. like one of your best-selling products like today? Travel Travel accessories, accessories right now because everyone's yeah. – It's a travel yeah. accessory like your passport. Passport wallet, yeah. luggage tag, mm-hmm. um, definitely our best yeah. ones and like a phone, like a crossbody bag mm-hmm. that fits just your phone and your passport. That's it, lightweight. I've definitely seen and, travel and stuff. W- and what do you look for? Because this is another important question. What do you look for when you're like deciding a new product to launch? Because obviously there's hundreds and hundreds, obviously thousands of products you could launch. How do you identify products that you think have a really good chance of doing well and selling well? What if it's customer feedback? I was going to say hundred percent. So they dictate what we do. Yeah. And a lot. we're so fortunate to have so many regulars who do. And we get samples in and then we bring them into the shop and we bring our regulars come around. Yeah, do you like this? Yeah. Do you like that? Because mm. samples... I'm assuming it's like this new kind of product you get, but our samples cost us a few hundred bucks for a little bag or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's worth it because we get to kind of get that feedback. And we started to realize once we had the shop full time, the amount of people that would come up and they'd be like, Do you have this? Or do you have that? Or are you going to get that? And it made us yeah. start to think, Oh, well, no. But if enough people ask about it, yeah. And that's where we. That's how mobile phones came in. My phone cases. No matter, even if you're having the shittest day, you always sell a phone case because everyone's got a phone. Yeah. But that started 
because so many people asking for it. And then we invested in it, which was a bigger investment time we did it because there's so many different sizes and whatever. But that was from our customers. Yeah. Um, so that's big. And also probably trends like the whole travel. We noticed travel going up. So we invested more in our existing travel stock um, and some new travel stock. So following what is happening. We're about to move into a European summer. So I imagine you're going to start to sell a lot of travel stuff. Yeah. We, yeah that's, that's where it's we, been I coming like from. Yeah. A big stream yeah, huge. Moment. Yeah. But that's good. Um, I'm happy for people. Lucky them. Yeah. <laughs> but it is like sometimes I think we used to sit there and think of, oh, how cool would this be? What we would want or what we would like. But really it's what people are asking for. That's it because they're going to buy it. Yeah. So. Too many people when they're starting a business, they get into that trap of um, like thinking I, just what do I want? What do I think? But they don't actually ask the customers. And like especially once you're live and you have data and you have customers you can ask and get their feedback from, it's like what, like, what do the people actually want? Like, unless you're doing it like that, people go in and invest. And a story um, that we shared on this podcast was this company called Sylvie. You know, the, the like pillowcases, pillow anti-acne pillowcases. Um, and Ben told this story on the podcast. Like they spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars on stock for bed sheets. Um, and then they're thinking like, oh yeah, pillowcases, bed sheets, people are going to want them. And like, they realized, fuck, they probably sold a tw- like a quarter of what they would. Plus they got the sizes wrong. So they had like, because American beds apparently are different to Australian oh, beds. So, yes. but it's like, luckily they were a big enough company to be able to, you know, take that loss of a few hundred, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars and keep moving forward. But so many people, they'll invest their money and get stuck. And like, okay, now my business is, is got no cash, but I have a thousand products to sell. What do I, how do I go and that's sell it? it? That's where you're going to separate yourself from what the market wants, mm. what you want and what everyone wants are two different things. And you can find out what everyone wants in a very low cost way, whether that's looking back and analyzing your own data. Like we're fortunate we've got our own data. We see, we know travel successful because we see it in the numbers, which would be logically a next step would to continue on that trajectory, trajectory. If you've got no existing data to figure out what people want, go out there and ask, find out, research. Because if you like deliver something that nobody wants, no one's going to buy it. Which is how, you know, going back on when we started, but we did bring in, we initially launched as the leather gift boxes and baby products too. We had baby gift boxes with leather dummy chains, which didn't want to burn. So they're still sitting in the shed. We never <laughs> so ended up using them. But then you want muslin wraps, we've got heaps of them. <laughs> the time and the money we invested in photography and the websites and, and, costing the them. and the costing them and, and just the stock and all of that, but it just didn't work. Yep, the margin wasn't there. The people the didn't want it, so we canned it. Yeah, ma- margins is something that oh. <laughs> can get a lot of people stuck in business. It's like it's the first thing ever. I'm start working with a new, like an, a new person as part of the mentoring program I'm doing. <laughs> the first thing I get everyone to do is a Cogs calculator. So whether they currently have a business and I'm helping them grow it, or they're trying to figure out a product to do, you need to really understand your Cogs your, and what what your margins are. What it's going to cost you to obviously purchase the product, to ship it, land it in Australia then how much you can actually sell it for. So many people don't understand the numbers and without doing that, it's not going to be successful. Like you have products that you can't sell because you didn't probably didn't understand that no, at that early on. We didn't on in have a good enough markup. We thought having a 50% markup, oh, that's great, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough for it. No so then especially well. like if it was, all right, say it was still slower moving, but the margin was better. Okay. Maybe it was worth having space mm-hmm. in our website, but it wasn't. So that was it. That was a big learning curve for us. Like, What's because another, another thing that I think is important for this podcast as well, because so many people, 
don't know where to start. You've navigated coming into this industry, starting your own business with no experience and you've kind of had to figure things out of, as you've gone. What do you think is like the biggest challenge you've had to overcome? The biggest like eye-opening thing that you realize, fuck, I kind of wish I knew that earlier. <laughs> How long we got? What do you, yeah. <laughs> what do you um, think? To overcome? I think it, okay, personally, I think it was our, ourselves and like mm. doubt, oh, like, because even though we talk, oh, you just got to take the risk. That all sounds great in hindsight because we did it. But in the time, it was that fear of failure and then we, we talk so blasé about it now, but it was a big deal. It's a really big deal. Think, oh, I'm putting all this money. Oh, we need to invest money when it was Christmas time and we had to put our own more of our own money into stock, which financially was fine, but it was still like we had to answer questions to our we're taking that <laughs> out of our out of our mortgages, out of yeah. our family for this. So we had to um really know what that you do doubt yourself. And that was hard, like trying to stick to your guns on something and it's really it will be okay. So I feel like that was ourselves with well, myself. I'm not sure if the same with you, biggest challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, another thing is I think working with other people. So between us, learning two different working styles and then having to work with stuff because we need stuff. So mm. learning that is hard. Yeah, That is hard because we're all so different. We all have different ways of teaching others and delivering things and people can't take sometimes a more direct approach. So you've got to be careful considerate of others so I find that was probably challenging working with each other and others but in a good way like it all worked out you've got a team of you've got a team of seven now what's been like the hardest thing about the hiring process like to get that right well we actually are friends quite a few of them yeah I was listening to (laughs) I was listening to one of your recent podcasts actually about that and at first it was like oh we're making the right decision this and that but Personally, I feel like the trust is there. It's we have great working relationships because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what, we're, we're friends and we go back to that, even if we have little clubs or you know, and everyone has mistakes. Mature enough like to this. keep this separate, like business, right. business and personal separate, yeah. which has been good so far. Yes. Did you try right. like hiring people you didn't know at the start at all? And we have, yeah, yeah. yeah. How yeah, did those have. experiences go? Good, good. Um, Mostly, yeah. We um we had a bit of an unexpected experience. The last person out worked with us, um, but I mean, circumstances change, you know. And I think as well, when you work in retail, you're gonna, you know, it's kind of like a little um passing step for people. Yeah, it's not people's forever. That's right. Place, you know. So you kind of have that um risk of just moving on to the next job and going off with that. But um, but we've mostly hired Christmas casuals, um. And that's worked. That's worked quite well. But we yeah. tried to keep it limited as well. We never wanted to hire too many people, and that's why we've kept it small. So it's not like we've gone out and done big recruitment and interviewed a whole heap of people. It's kind of just been a handful. Yeah. Because so. then we can obviously be more focused on individuals with us. We can provide them with enough work because they're doing it for work and for money. And if we have too many people, it's it's going to be harder to to juggle the work around. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a good experience, a challenging experience, um, stuff, but it's it's learning. But you need them. Yeah. Like it, yeah. when you get to a certain point, you can't yeah. do every like you can't do everything on your own. Like a, a point you guys made in 
in the email you sent was like, your numbers prove that like retail isn't dead for small businesses. And like so many people start an e-com brand and like you guys started mainly like online. It's like people don't think that retail is an option for small business, obviously, because you have to pay the staff, you have to pay the rent where you are. But like, tell me that decision you made to go into retail, what it did for your business. Cause it seemed like once you moved into retail, that's when you started to get a lot of the growth. Yeah. Yeah. That was our biggest income stream. Sometimes it still is as well. It's, it's a huge part of, of what we make. Um, but retail is just like when someone's online, I know when I'm shopping online, I have so many options. Yeah. You can't, apart from your marketing and you know, whatever you've got there and your price, really, mm. you can't sway someone. Whereas we've got this person in front of us, which we, that face-to-face interaction, people still want that, especially after COVID. That's what I saw. The landscape changed significantly. Because you could go out now and you enjoyed being out and you enjoyed interaction with people. So a lot of people, a lot of customers, they come out just to talk to you. That's like their highlight of the day. It doesn't matter what, to them, it wasn't about what they bought. It was to have a chat and you've just made their day and that's, and everyone's happy. And when you've got that relationship with them and you, these customers keep coming back to see us, you know, and our yeah. team. They want to talk to us and we know so many, so much of their lives because we have that relationship with them and that's really special. It's something that I feel you can't, we just can't get online um, yeah. as much as we can in store. And I feel now like going into uh, where everyone is a lot more conscious of what they're spending because they are and we're seeing it, we're hearing the feedback, I get it, everything's expensive. You know, when you're looking online, you've got all that time to reconsider your purchase or oh, I'll come back to that later or I'll go get a comparison. Whereas when you're one-on-one with someone, you've got your sales team doing magic because, uh, you know, so it, it's actually helping us get things over the line that we may not have if it was just purely online because of the conversation we're having and the training we provide our team to have those conversations. And like you said, like when you're – when you guys launched the business, you took it extremely serious right from the start and failure wasn't an option and like doing things like moving into retail, taking the risk to obviously put the cash aside for your rent for the six month period it was originally and thinking we're going to have to hiring staff is a risk. And like, I know something else you guys did getting creative, thinking outside the box, doing things like going to market stores and things like that. A lot of people in e-commerce don't think to do, but it's like that would have played a, an important part in like you getting your brand out there, the awareness and driving products in the early days. Like, where do you guys, like, is that still going to play a part for, for you guys in the future to go to these events? Have you experienced, like, good results from that? Or what's your thoughts with with thinking a little bit more outside the box and doing those sorts of things? We just came back from a market, actually, over the weekend. So I think we'll still see the value in getting out into different areas of the communities. Um, and we'll probably continue to do it. I mean, with just having a baby soon, that might change how often we do it. But they're always really good around those Christmas October onwards times I think we found so we always keep doing uh, that oh I think replace that face to face I think as well like what I've found talking to other people who go to these markets and stuff I think they get really uh, unmotivated and just derailed because one one pop-up in a shopping center or at a market Mm. goes really shit and like you can't god we've been some places made like two sales and it's like oh, <laughs> oh it's what is like, this what's wrong with us that self-doubt like, it's, yeah but you just got to keep doing it like we keep trying to do it so that's why oh, I actually I don't know about you but I have so many people come up to us in the town center now I had these blokes the other week love your setup we're doing a pop-up what do you think of the center is it busy is it you know ask me all yeah, these yeah. questions yeah. and I'm like look just do it and do it again 
and again yeah. and see how Ask you go because well. it's just and it does it comes down to you as well like it's confronting you're setting up you you know and you're selling stuff and people yeah. are coming up and people are you know they want to see your stuff but they don't and they're like yeah, you know human interactions funny um but just doing it and yeah, showing and up I think is it's very worthwhile. Rare. Now, there's no product that hasn't been thought of now. Mm. I feel like it's very rare to find something unique. So we don't have something that's, you know, unique and going to cure all the world's diseases and anything amazing like, like it is. It, it has already been thought of, but we deliver it to the people directly so they can see, touch, feel. And when they've done that experience the first time, then they'll be, they repeat online because they're like, I already know what I'm getting and yeah. I trust them. And then they continue their journey with us. Yeah, I want to. I want to start to to wrap this up, but I want to ask a couple other questions before we do finish up. One thing, because you guys came into this like from completely different backgrounds and experiences to like the retail and e-commerce journey, what were some of the ways that you guys educated yourself on kind of what to do next or what 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 to do, you know, at certain things, whether it be just a mindset improvement or or like logistically, how do I get through this? How do I import stuff into Australia from China or, or, or all of that sort of stuff? How did you guys educate yourself to, you know, help that journey of like going in as complete, like beginners to a new thing? There's a few things to that. Like we've done a few, um, we kind of invested in a few like coaching course, courses, um, tried not to be scared of spending on that because that, you know, webinars, workshops, we try to dabble in all of that stuff to upskill ourselves and learn, um, talking to other people in businesses. Yeah, like so. I have a friend of mine, her sister's uh, runs a very successful e-commerce business, very successful, and she started from pop-ups, kids' clothing, and she's moved into, like she's purely online but doing great. And, you know, I drew on her knowledge of dealing with suppliers, especially when we, we got sent this batch once of like these notebooks which are the wrong colour and I thought, oh my God, the world's going to end. It doesn't match anything. And and she really coached me on, on how to deal with the supplier and stuff on the other end too. So you'd be surprised how many people you know in your own network. Mm. might be not directly they do e-commerce or sell the exact same thing, but they've got knowledge in business um, and to draw on that and not to be scared to consult other people. Yeah, yeah we try to attend things and to people and just like get out of our comfort zone to learn from them because you obviously never stop learning. Like I'm huge on that. You really don't. And we're learning and improving all the time. So yeah, just dabbling and taking the time to do even though time is money, the time yeah. to learn these things has really helped and, us. And like you said, like not being scared to invest in yourself, like even if things yeah. cost money. It's like like you said, one of your answers to one of the questions was like working like the challenge was like myself and like leveling up myself, my own skill set experience. Like some people be like, I only have a set limited budget. I'm going to put all that into stock and then the rest will just figure itself out. Well, no, that's not reality. Like no, you no. are the business, particularly early on in the stage. Like you are the business. You should be investing as much as you can in leveling yourself up, your skill set, your experience, because whether this business is successful or whether it's the next one or the one after that, all the skills and experience you build up will stay with you forever. So being able to do that and rein, that's actually investing in your business in a better way than, than, than nearly any other thing you can do. If you're at the beginning of your journey, the first few years in business, even me, five, six years in business, I'm still relatively new in this game. Like e-com, obviously I'm someone that's had a lot of success, but still in business, there's people that are running, you know, nine figure businesses that I would have no idea how they manage that sort of stuff. Like I'm still, I'm, 
doing anything I can to learn from people that are, that are ahead of me on their journey. And it's like you said, there's so many people around you, whether they're directly in your network or just someone in, in, in your network in terms of social media that you follow, that you can see, engage with, reach out to them, do things like the coaching calls, look for people that you can leverage their skill set and experience because like you said, business isn't easy, but there's a process to follow and there's so many people that have been successful. So if they can be successful, literally the question I ask everyone, like, why can't you? Yeah. And as long as you're very clear from the start, um, clear with how you're going to use your money mm-hmm. because that little couple grand you've got at the start, that's got to stretch far. So sure. being very smart in how, when you're having those high-level conversations on how to allocate it correctly. Um, so it is going into coaching. It is going into stock. It is going into this. It is going into marketing. Um, spreading it out. Spreading Probably. it out. That's a big one. Diversifying Talk to it. too Every, many people yeah. that spend all this money on the stock and it's like, what happened to sale? Well, because you didn't pay to market them. Exactly. Yeah. So you have no budget yeah. left. Which did take us some time. Yeah, if we, you know, the more you go along. Yeah. But also just doing it. Nothing's going to be perfect. You just have to do it and go for it. And, and last question, what's – What's your message to like what I said at the start to, to, to people, whether they be mothers, young mothers or, or not, the people that have been thinking about, I had that itch like you guys have had for a long time, always had in the back of the mind, I'd love to start my business one day, but I'm scared of what, what, what the possibilities of the unknown are or maybe it's going to be too hard with my situation. What would your message be to those people? Absolutely start, even if you don't think you're ready. Just simple, but just start. Because yeah. you're one step ahead if you yeah. just start. And, and as a mother, I mean, your kids, all that, it's always going to be number one, right? Like, duh. But it doesn't mean that you can't also have something else that's yours and you shouldn't feel guilty for that. I'm not a parent, obviously, <laughs> but um, one thing that, like, the way my perspective is about that is, like, don't you want to set an ex- the right example for your children to be 100%. like, go ahead, back yourself, believe in yourself, build something for yourself. and like. I didn't grow up with parents and business. I think it would be like a really interesting experience to grow up seeing parents that have their own businesses. It'd be really interesting. You'd learn so much and be exposed to so many other things that I wasn't exposed to at all. But it's like setting the example and like doing something for yourself is not selfish. It's, it's what, like why we're all here, we're here to enjoy the journey of life and to get as much out of it as we can. So it's like if that's starting a business, is that's what it is for you. And if you don't do that because you feel like doing the, the right thing by your kids is being in a job that you're extremely unhappy and you have to come home and then kind of resent the fact that you had to work all day. Now you, now the, the things you have to do at home is like, oh, I've got to do more stuff I don't want to do. I mean, there's better ways to do it, right? And you can make it work for you. We make yeah. it work for us. I still do it. I go every home every night and cook dinner. It doesn't stop me doing all that. I'm still a mom. I still take my kids here. We still have days together. I don't feel like I'm at a loss with them. So it's finding that balance. It has been easier because there's two of us, but it's not to say to anyone out there that's a bit more that's time poor like we are. Maybe you don't have to do it full throttle like us, but just start something because you do get your time back eventually. So you want something there ready to go to fill your time with that you find fulfilling. Yeah. The more mums I talk to, the more um, I realise that people feel so like they can't do anything for themselves. It, it is. It's so real. It's so raw. We don't talk about it. But you do. You always have that mum girl. But like you said, we can. I am so passionate about my business huge thing in my life it's part of my life but my my family is a huge thing as well it's just two completely separate things and it's so important yeah you're right I want my daughter to grow up and see 
Yeah. One, our cousin, you know, yeah, their yeah. little cousin oh, self. Yeah, work, of course. Hopefully like, work and I, I see came how from parents learn. that were in business that failed in business. But that doesn't, if you allow people's, when you see failure, if you don't, obviously they tried because they could see the worth in it, right? Or you wouldn't go down that road, take that risk. So for me, it was always, I want to do something. Fortunately, I've seen it fail and it's bad, but that's not always the case. And kind of, you know, flipping around a negative. Um, and doing it so that I could show my kids, hey, you can do this. I don't care whether my kids go to uni, do this. It doesn't mean shit, right? As long as they're doing something they're happy about and I've, I've taught them to just do something you're always passionate about and do it as, as to the fullest, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. we're in that generational change. We're the change for our families as well, you yep. know, personally. Like, you know, I, I want my daughter to believe that anything is possible and that's only going to happen either. You believe, believe that, it, right? and yeah. we show it. So yeah, yeah that's a huge Anything part is of possible. Walk, walk, right? But it is. That's right. It's not believe. It's just, it just is. That's it. And you don't know until you try. So yeah, just start. Just start. It's never going to be perfect ever. 100%. Um. And where's the best place for people to find you guys? We love Instagram. Yeah. 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 We? <laughs> We're trying to build TikTok. It's like mm. a new realm for us. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. Trying to break that. Uh, but definitely Instagram. And what's the handle for Instagram for anyone interested? Underscore the best kind. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Well, thanks for coming in, um, making the journey into the city. Appreciate your time. I'm excited to share this and I'm excited for obviously all, all our listeners to hear about your story and hopefully they can find some motivation, some things in that for themselves, but also um, be really exciting for your people in your lives and the people that have followed you to hear about your journey and what's gone on because it's obviously a really rewarding experience. But like you said, it isn't always easy. So it's good to to have these sorts of conversations so people can get an idea of kind of what business really is like. So thanks again. Um, thanks for having Best us. of luck for the rest of the year. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favour, do me a favour, do your friends a favour and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.